for the What is nothing? Yeah, that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? That's deep, bro. Deep row, serious questions with silly people. I'm your host, Christina Pajitsky, and I'm coming to you from my new studio. This is so exciting. Uh, my husband and I decided to be a couple of grown ups and get ourselves a proper office space, and it is fantastic. It's it's great. There's no dogs uh, chewing stuff as I'm talking. Uh, it's just it's just us. And I have my husband here with me today. I'm so excited. Say hi, Jeans. Hi, Jeans. <laughs> We're going to be discussing the topic of failure and success. Uh, but before we get to that, support my show. I don't, I don't have any ads to tell you about today, but I, I do implore you, if you use Amazon, and you should, because it makes your life so much easier. You know, why, why go to the store and buy toilet paper every week when you can just have it sent to your house, like automate that stuff, guys, and do it through uh, my banner. That's deeprowpodcast.com. Click on my Amazon banner, and it kicks back some change to the show. It helps me out, and that's it. So yeah, bros, we're going to do failure and success. I got a really cool email I'm going to read for you, and uh, we're going to get down to it. My husband, what's your name again? Tom. Tom, you're, you're pretty successful, right? I guess I'm, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good way to get into it. I mean, you're pretty successful, th- right? Have you done things that people consider you to be? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Pretty successful. <laughs> All right. We'll get into it after I play you this song. you love that song i want them to make more songs like that i know right yeah they all got kind of weird they, they're good i got his last album the one that he uh won the uh right grammy for it's you a good like album it? yeah but it's not like that at all you know that song loser was supposed to be the anthem of our generation mm-hmm. and the irony is we ended up pretty good i mean we were slackers yes you don't think we fulfilled our prophecy i mean we're complete opposite of losers our generation gen x we talked about this earlier today that you're you and i are at the very tail end of gen x more so you than me because i'm only i'm you're 12 (laughs) years older than me it's different yeah (laughs) how old are you Uh, i just turned 36 Mm -hmm. okay so uh but yeah we're not losers we're we're succeeders right 
Look at we got an office. How <laughs> I many people have an office? That's true. They're super successful. You got to be a real grown up, successful person to have an office. So Tom Segura, people. Can uh, you say my name right? You Se- may- Segura. Segura. It's your last name too, by the way. Look at your ID. <laughs> Where can people find you, Tom? Oh please. <laughs> If you haven't seen a special on Netflix, this is the first time you've heard Tom Segura. I, I mean, I don't know how that this could be. Uh, he has a special on Netflix right now called Completely Normal. That's huge. Is about to go and tape his second one pretty soon. Shooting a special in August. Crazy. And you've got three comedy albums out. Yeah. Uh, you've successful marriage. Yep. You've got two dogs. Yep. A child on the way. Bun in the oven. A bun in the oven. You've got a full, thick beard. Mm-hmm. Pretty blue eyes. Yeah. I'd say life turned out pretty good for you. Pretty happy. Pretty successful. <laughs> well, I got this email from a listener. Um, it's entitled Failure with an exclamation mark. And I thought I would do this topic because I, I, I liked it. So he writes to me. I won't say this person's name. Uh, Lately, I had a string of failures in my life. I'm a musician. And as I'm sure you're aware, that is not an easy game to succeed at. My band and I have been working our asses off and getting basically nowhere. Still playing crummy logical gigs, logical, local gigs for eight people and kissing the hairy asses of anybody who claims to have any sort of pull in the music world. I often feel like the whole thing is a waste of time and I should sell all my drums and guitars and shit and go be a monk in Tibet or something. God, who hasn't felt that way? Second, I have some sort of curse that makes me fail with women over and over. Maybe it's a lack of confidence or something, but the point is that every time I meet a girl I like, it somehow gets fucked up. So here I am, 31 years old, broke, single, and doing a job that doesn't mean anything to me. I know there is still time to figure this all out, but I feel like I have worked very hard my whole life and I have nothing to show for it. I don't want to come off like I'm whining, Despite those complaints, I'm still a pretty happy person, but it occurred to me that you would probably have some good insights on failure. <laughs> hey, and it might make a good topic for your podcast. I do have I, I do have a lot of insight on failure. Obviously, you've enjoyed a lot of the success. Thank you. But you're an artist, so I think I can safely assume you had your share of failures and letdowns along the way. Have you ever thought of giving up? Is that the best answer for some people? Well, what do you think, Jeans? Yeah, I mean, it's a great, it's a great email. It's a great question. Sure. And when you listen, when I listen to it now, I just think of I'm just nodding along the whole time. Like, <laughs> yeah. What parts resonate with you the most? Well, I mean, I remember, you know, it's such a journey when you go into, especially the arts, to make a to make a living. Yeah. And your your dream of having a career in whatever type of performance. Yeah. And failure is a big part of it. And and yes. I, I didn't even realize it at the time. I think self doubt, and you got to have like these. You have bad nights, bad. I mean, I can remember having a feature night one night where I bombed so hard, <laughs> and it was for like a full house mm-hmm. that I was really like, maybe I'm doing this all wrong, and maybe I shouldn't do this. Sure, and it was a really hard night to get through. Like, and I stayed up late, just like looking at everything I'd written. Looking at the notes and being like, I don't understand what happened. Trying to find a way out. Trying yeah. to find the next. And I did have the like, Ugh. maybe I suck. You know. I think that's thoughts. very healthy and um, <clears throat> and normal to wonder yeah. if you should be doing something. I think that's good. You can't. It's weird to approach art with like I'm the best, and I should be always be the best. You know. Because the people that do go, I'm the best. They usually aren't. They're not. They're not. And then you have to. I mean, it's weird because there's 
There's also days and times when you need to have a little bit of that bravado. Of like, yeah, I'm going to yeah. fucking kill this shit right now. But don't you find that that comes new. in stages? Like, yeah. It comes, all, all the stuff, all those tiny lessons that come in, into being a successful person, I would say, come over time. It comes with every failure. You, you put a little piece together like, yeah. oh, I need to have more confidence. That's the, that's the lesson I needed this, this year. Right. Next year is, I just got to get to the work of this. I got to stop bullshitting. And the, and the other thing that's very <laughs> Cold. true, I think, about success is that success in one part of your life bleeds into other parts of your life. So yeah. it's, it's like when you're doing well at like, I don't know, eating well and taking care of your body, like you're working out. That bleeds into your work habits. It can. And then, and then you're right, it should, and it often can. But then we know people, back this up, I think my thought being that success can mean a lot of things. It's not just money no, and definitely. career. And it's got to be career, money, body, mind, and then relationships. Because we know people who are ridiculously successful but maybe have horrible personal lives. Horrible. That you Horrific. wouldn't want. You, you wouldn't, wouldn't want to trade. It. No, you wouldn't want to trade. Are you going to stop fucking coughing? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm getting over this bark and I can't stop. God, I feel so bad for your listeners. You do this every week? Yeah. Just cough in their ear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They love it. They are right in asking for more. <sighs> um, yeah, no. It's a multi-layered topic, the whole idea of success and failure. I mean... It's funny too, and then there's so many layers to the monetary and that that perceived success of like a comedian. Right. So many layers, like so many levels, you know, of that. And then you also get to the point where how you define success. I mean, I was thinking about it where like even a couple of years ago, I would define myself and you before we were at this level of of our career success as successful. Right. I mean, we're we're working comedians, which we're, is almost impossible. It's a it's a tough level to get to. Almost like impossible. people don't, you know, it's easy to be like, yeah, there's there's a bunch of those. Well, there's not that many of those, where like you can you can be like, hey, I'm I'm looking for work, and you definitely get it. Yeah, you know, I could I could call my agent. I'm saying two years ago and be like, book me. He'd be like, okay, right. And it wasn't because I was selling a bunch of tickets. It was just like you're you're good you're good enough at the job. You're competent. You're easy to work with. You're cheap enough. You're, at. Yeah, you're cheap enough. But you're also like you know you're all these other things. You're going to do a good job. That yeah. yes, you do get the job. But a lot of comics don't even get that privilege exactly. of having a an agent or someone to call. Yeah. But specifically for this guy's email, I would say eight years. It's actually not that long. That's, That's how not. long it's been together. You know, the other thing I also, I used to always, I thought about it more in the first eight to 10 years than in now. Mm-hmm. I used to always say, like, especially when I started, I go, well, I'm going to see where I'm at next year versus this year. And I always tried to be like, am I doing better? And yeah. Not just like, am I making more money? But like everything, is everything better this year than last year? Oh, yeah. And I swear it was all, it's always been better. Progression. There's always been progress. Well, sorry, maybe I read eight years. I don't know if he's necessarily... Well, the thing is, he says, we're working our asses off and getting nowhere. Oh, and this is interesting. And kissing the asses of anybody who can get us any sort of pull. And I think, well, there's two points that I'd want to make on that. Working your ass off. There's this great book. 
uh, is it Malcolm Gladwell? Yeah. About the 10,000 hours of yeah, practice. That's him. Yeah. What's, do you know, Outliers? Yeah. Read Outliers. There's a million books I'm going to recommend to you. Failing Forward is a fantastic one I'm reading now. Read, read your old school. Read, read Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Read The Magic of Believing. Read uh, Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers. So in Outliers, he talks about the Beatles and how they played this shithole in Germany in a basement. Um, was it for four years or something? And over those four years, they learned every song imaginable, every cover song. The Beatles played every song. They learned every anthem, every hacky band song. And they got good in a basement in Germany. I want to say it's in Berlin. I don't know. Uh, the point being, they got 10,000 hours of practice. Yeah, that math. Uh, this guy, actually, I was reading something else where he referenced that. And it's, um, it's, pretty, like, it's pretty interesting math. Uh, yeah, what it is is if you do put in eight hours a day, 40 hours a week, 50 weeks a year, for five years, that's 10,000 hours. Right. So you break that math down however you want, because when you say 10,000, you're like, that sounds crazy. But also you think about anybody that does anything really well, like people who have mastered things, surfing. Golf. Uh, golf, violin. Like, you know, any instrument, stand-up, any like type of craft, you know, a guy, that, a tailor that makes suits. You know, someone who's like really good at it, they've put in that and more. They've put in thousands of hours. Oh, yeah. And, and you look at somebody like a Chris Rock or, you know, Eddie Murphy. Well, he hit it pretty young. Oh, he hit it at 21 years old. That special Delirious he did at 21. And actually, he hit it before then because that, that place was full with, of people and shot and distributed when he was 21. Crazy. So, yeah. But he was doing, he was doing those gigs at like 14, 15. And that's what I was going to say is yeah. that People go, well, he's an overnight. He, he hit it. He was a prodigy. I think, I think Eddie Murphy was one of the rare, yeah. true, like, wow, where did that come from? Chappelle. Chappelle. Yeah. But Chappelle started early, 14. too. 14. Bill Hicks started yeah. at 14. So a lot of these guys that you see it overnight or that happens young, uh, they've been at it since they were kids. It's crazy. So you forget there's, there's no shortcuts, at least in our art on our world mm -hmm. it's 10 years at least in comedy it's 10 years you know the difficult thing too about like this guy's email is with a band you're talking about multiple That's, people oh, and multiple personalities terrible. and sometimes somebody in the band can be more driven or you know right like just ready to go more than everybody else mm -hmm. and you know sometimes you're in the wrong city for that i mean we see that with comedy a lot like somebody's really funny and they live in whatever town and you go, well, you got, you got to get out of this town. You right. Know? You, some towns have their limits. You know, there's great comedy cities that are not New York, LA that are great for development, right? Like Austin, Denver, Minneapolis, Cincinnati, like they have good scenes, a bunch of other cities too. But then there's cities that are not where you go to and you're like, there's no scene here. It's like, yeah. well, you got to leave that town. If you're a comic, you got to go in music. I, pre I assume it's got to be a little bit of the same, right? Like there's got to be, are you in the right city? Yeah, you got to go where go they're point. doing the thing you want to be a part of. Always find your tribe. Yeah. If you want to get into software, engineering, whatever, what is yeah. that? What is that called these days, the computer? Yeah, I mean, the software business, sure. Northern California, yeah. that's where you got to go, right? Silicon Valley. But also what he's saying is it sounds like they're doing the same thing without changing, without so that book outliers he also talks about how you have to have meaningful practice it's not just that you practice right I'm talking about practice 
Talk about practice right now, man. <laughs> but that not, you not, not, not a game. Not, not a game. <clears throat> but that you learn from your mistakes and that you you are mindful of your practice. So it doesn't make a difference if you practice the same crappy thing every day. Right. Because we know comedians who, my God, they've been bombing for 10 years. The guy is not getting any or better. Or even the guy that's doing the same okay set for 10 years makes me crazy. Right. Like when I haven't seen a guy in years and I go to like the improv in Hollywood, I haven't seen this guy in eight years. And he goes up there and does the set I saw him do eight years ago. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Right. Like, it's been a fucking decade. And then they complain about, yeah. well, why aren't I, I, why don't I progress? Oh, and then the excuses come. Yeah. Oh, the excuses. Um, I, you know, and I have to admit that for many years, I would make excuses too. We all do. Like, yeah. Um, I came from a bad family. Um, nobody taught me how to be successful. Nobody taught me how to do this stuff. Um, but mostly, I don't come from a good family. Therefore, I'm so messed up, I can't do things. And it's, you know, it's really important to... And we all trip up on this, but don't, don't go down that path, man. Yeah. Don't, be, don't be the excuses person. It's dangerous. And it's dangerous to... When you're, you can sense when you're around the person that's that's into that a lot there's a lot of people that that's what they yeah they launch themselves off with every day is like here's why things aren't working out but then i did you know like the guy never called me back (laughs) yeah yeah i sent out all these resumes i didn't hear anything anything back you know it's just just the way it is you know know, the economy it's tough yeah but that's when you pick up the phone and you call that person hi my name is so-and-so did you receive my resume yeah, right there's dude there's it's it exists for every i mean i remember this comic years ago when i had i still had a full-time day job i was just doing like stand-up at night and then taking weekends locally like doing brea irvine ontario and this comic was talking to me and was like yeah i mean you know it's just there's no point in like doing this anymore it's like just figure out what you're going to do because you can't make a living as a feature and <laughs> like, you're not going to headline, you know? And I was just like looking at this person. I was like, no, that's what you're not going to do. Like, <laughs> right. don't tell me what I'm not going to, I mean, and I, and I thought that back then I was like, you're out of your fucking mind, but I just yeah. let them, I, I knew that's who, that's who that was. Like, yeah. that's who you are. He's excuses guy. And there's a lot of people who say, well, I have a mortgage. I've got kids. Let me tell you, Phyllis Diller had five kids. Roseanne Barr had three. Uh, didn't Thomas Edison have a ton of kids? Who's that? He a comic? <laughs> uh, so many people have had other obligations. They, everyone, they, it's excuses, man. They love yeah. it because it's permission to like stop trying. It's yeah, permission. It's a reason to, to accept the failure, right? And that you're not successful, but then like now you can. You don't have to pursue it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It gives you an out because if you if you don't try, you can't fail. Right. And I can't try because, uh, you know, I, it does. I just because it's impossible. Right. But it's, sometimes it's fear, and it's because you don't see the road how it's going to come together. You just know you want to get to be a headliner, for instance. Yeah. But maybe at the time you didn't know how you were going to get there. But all you have yeah. to do is stay the course, and eventually pieces come an alignment things start to fall into place yeah. and it just takes a minute i would say like and to my like to pat myself on the back <laughs> the one thing that i definitely 
definitely thought way back when was that I would definitely, I was entitled to the success. Not entitled right, to the sense right, right. that it should be given to me, but that I, you deserve. I have every right to be successful. Yeah. Man, I got to tell you, that is that was probably my hardest. I'm glad you brought that up because I have a list of places I wanted to go. And yeah. that's actually <clears throat> where we should start. Uh, feeling entitled and what well, you said, not in a sense of uh, I'm, I'm arrogant and everything right. should be given to me, but that rather I am deserving of success is so major, and I don't think people are even consciously aware that they're sabotaging themselves that way. Yeah. Like, I remember Jenny Pentland, who was on the very first episode of That Steve Bro, many years ago, about 10 years ago, she said to me, Christina, don't be afraid of success. And at the time she said it, and I was like, whatever, I'm not afraid of it. Yeah. And then I was like, you know what? I am. I'm afraid that people won't like me. Mm-hmm. Maybe boys won't like me. Maybe uh, I won't get a boyfriend. Maybe I won't get uh, some friends won't like. Maybe my family will stop liking me. And you know what? Some people did stop liking. Some me. people do. Some friends fell away. Some family members fell away. But those people are shitty people. Yeah, they're weak, and and, and <laughs> they are. I mean, I, I've had it happen. You know that with yeah. friends, and it's you know it's um, disappointing, probably the thing. But then. Once you realize that that person just is insecure and and doesn't want to celebrate your success because your the pace is too much for them, you just got to move it along. Yeah, they're not. They're not. That person wasn't good for your whole well being, anyways. That just yes. shows you. You know, there's probably some other problems in the relationship yeah. too that were not brought to light until you became a little more successful. Yeah, and we're talking about like we're not talking about like you know, uh, world-class success where it's like, I'm not, you know what I mean? Like I, there's, like I said, there's levels to this whole thing, but it's funny. It's like a lot of times people, friends that you, you have in life are cool with you doing this stuff that you do until like, it's clear that you've just, you're just accelerate on an accelerated path, let's say. Or, or even that you see yourself going somewhere bigger than you are today yeah even even just sometimes the aspiring to be bigger yeah can put off your family yeah can put off your friends it's really interesting how that works right people are like whoa 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 and they all a lot of times you know you can tell like whenever someone's like you're not there yet it's like a and and i've had that with a couple people show us all of i and you're like what are you talking about right now yeah why are you why are you telling me yeah you think i'm you know and they try to they Bring it a the, it to the the table under the guise of like, well, I'm just making sure you don't get too too, too, too big. big for yourself. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, that's not really. <laughs> that's an issue. never been a problem yeah. for me. Um, <laughs> it's really that they're threatened by you. That's right, because it's usually the opposite for me, where I have low self esteem, but I'm yeah. I'm thinking I'm not worthy of anything. <laughs> yeah, you need to get those. Those people are not good for your life. No, yeah, yeah get your life. I remember my mother. When I uh, got Chelsea lately, when I was right around that show, her first thing to me was, well, I mean, you should always keep your options open. After you get hired. (laughs) Okay. I was like, wait, why would you say that? Oh, because you're shitty. Yeah. And you're not on my team. And and that's the truth. Unfortunately, there are people that aren't going to be on your team. But you have to be willing to let those people fall 
to the, to the wayside. Even let's say people trying to struggle with sobriety. I'm sure when mm-hmm. you go through that process, you lose a lot of quote friends, but they ain't your friends. And be wary too of, you know, of people that diminish your accomplishments, Yeah, whatever, whatever it is, like just little slights, you yeah. know, it's very telling of the type of person. The yeah. pettiness of some people, you know. Like, what do you mean? What like, you... I remember I was like, I was talking to a comic about a show I did recently where it sold out, and he was like, "How do you sell that out? Like the venue, <laughs> you know?" And I was like, "I don't know. I mean, like, how do you answer that? I don't know." Yeah. I did, and he was like, "Ah, oh, but Rogan, like, he brought up. Oh, my... he's tried to right. So he's he's attributing something, an accomplishment that I'm not even like, I'm not even bringing it up." But he's like questioning how it happened, yeah. and then diminishes the success of that thing that he brought up by attributing it to something else. Yeah. Oh, you didn't do it. Yeah, right, right. It's like not, Joe you, sold your the tickets hard to work. my show. It, yeah. It's not the twelve years of you doing right. stand up that made you yeah. uh, a good comic, and yeah, of course, isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. So basically, uh, you know, in, in this discussion, st- be wary of player haters. Right? Isn't that what they're called? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Haters going to hate no matter what. But again, what. The, big, the big point is you don't even want to dwell and invest too much energy in this. In other words, in like right. be, be aware of who those people are and then fucking move it along. <laughs> turn, turn away and run into yeah. the sunshine. Because you don't want to waste your energy just... No. Oh, which reminds me. So back to this guy's email. Uh, he says that we've been kissing everybody's ass in the industry. I got to tell you, one rule I have learned, and Bill Hicks said this, he's dead now, but I've heard that he said, uh, to never chase industry. Let them come to you. And I think that that's the hugest lesson uh, in the world. You know what? Don't worry about industry. Do you? You told me this many years ago. You know, I took a long time to get an agent and a manager. I wasn't one of those people that had everything... It took me a minute, and you, Tommy, would always say, just focus on the work, get really good, and it'll come, and of course, that's how it happens. Especially entertainment. Focus entertainment on, yeah. more than anything. Yeah. They are, they, it is high school. Yeah. Uh, and music, comedy, act, the whole thing, it's like, you just have to work. If you're a musician, you just got to focus on the music. Yeah. You really do. Do you, bro. Just, I mean, look at all the story. I mean, watch fucking any behind the music. All those band, every huge band, people were like, "Fuck that, they they suck." Yeah, and they were like sending demos and, you know, trying to get people to come see them. It's like it all happened when they just played their show, and somebody came. Yeah, fucking Rick Rubin's in the audience. Yeah, and, or- so, and it's not that like you know Rubin's going to come to everyone's show, but the point is that when all those people did get some momentum going, it was because they were focused on on their work. On being really good. Yeah. And eventually the cream rises. That's always been. Now, there are people who will go faster to the top. Mm-hmm. And then the mediocre often rises in our business too. Mm-hmm. But then that cream settles and it eventually it does. sinks. <laughs> There's always justice in the end. Yeah, it's the best. Yeah. Uh, but also, so I was thinking about the people that you and I admire. And I think you and I have a similar list of, of other comedians. We love Bill Burr. Yeah. We love uh, Joe Rogan. Yeah. David Tell. Yeah. Tom Segura. We love me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but I think what I've thought about in, in, for this discussion is that, and even my, my own father who came to this country 
with what five dollars in his pocket it's crazy he landed in detroit and he bought a hot dog and a can of soda and now he lives in clark gable's hideaway house and he built a forklift business and you're like well how the fuck how does how does somebody come from nothing and do that and i think the common thread between a lot of the people that i look up to and you know like emulate they're they have resilience discipline consistency and uh, it's basically hard work, right? Wouldn't you say? I mean, the people you describe there are very much of the the hard work philosophy, you know? Yeah. Like, a tell what is a grinder, like just in the clubs, doing spots in New York, probably six nights a week, multiple spots. Just a guy that just always, and then like every show, he's trying a new line just working it out all the time. A guy, you know, who just worked, worked, worked. Joe, same kind of guy, works all the time. Joe's a fucking Jamaican. I mean, he has like five jobs. and Crazy. Just, yeah, the stamina, that guy, that's ridiculous. Like, I don't, I don't know how, I told you, like, I've, I've gone on the road with him for like two days on a trip and I'm just like so worn out. I don't know how he does it. It's crazy. He needs to teach a seminar on success. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a big part. I mean, his show, his podcast, you know, he talks a lot about that guy's just driven and he likes to accomplish things. And that's another thing is like, you think about that, it is fun to accomplish. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, um, it's why you see a lot of times really rich kids, like trust fund kids will be miserable, especially as they age sometimes. And you're like, why is this person miserable? They've had so much because they never set out to accomplish anything yeah you know they they because they were given yeah. they're like here's your trust fund like yeah so they have like a beach house and uh you know like but they've not these, earned it they didn't earn anything and then i think one of the most fascinating guys of the whole stand-up world is burr is burr yeah because he is a guy whose success is basically all comes from being good at stand-up Yes. And and consistently good. Yes. And there is no like in stand up, you know, your TV show will boost you, boost your draw, and then and then people, more people can find out, you know, can enjoy your stand up, and then that's why comics do things like TV shows and movies. And it, the ones who want to keep doing stand up go back. Like Chris Rock always said, like I'm in movies and stuff, so people will come see me do stand up. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he got more famous, more famous, but Bill's a guy where like, you know, he's had like bit parts in some things, TV shows and movies, but basically he's at a level right now. He is really crushing it right now. We're doing like 3000 seat venues, you know, like in Santa Rosa, like you know, when you start going off the big market, off the big market, yeah, and yeah, you're yeah. still an hour outside theaters, of the big city. <laughs> it's real, and he's doing international stuff. Like he's going, he's about to be, you know, I don't know if he wants to do it, but like he is on the path to being an arena guy, which is really crazy, you know. And it's because he is so focused on he he has great material, but so much of it. And he's one of those guys that like every new hour like like beats the last hour. He is a hard worker. He's a worker. And uh, a tremendous worker. And you're right, it's just on the merit of your stand up alone, it's pretty hard to it's do. It's really hard to do. In the it's really age. hard. And you don't see I mean if you if you list out like the top ten 
you know, or whatever, your top 10 or 15 comics, you'll see that like, yeah, they're good comics, but then this helps elevate it. And with Bill, it's like all stand-up, which is so... So hard, so to do. hard to do. It's almost Lisa Lampanelli was like that too. Mm-hmm. She garnered a huge audience just through stand. But then with her, so rare. Just to further the point, she got big, big bumps from the roasts, right? The right roasts, from television, right? Helps out, the, yeah. And those roasts are massive. Exposure is a huge part. Bill in is our fucking business. Netflix. Yeah. You well, know? you Netflix really right. helped you too. Yeah, yeah. No, it's huge help. But it's it's really astounding to see. To look at to what I love, just studying him from a just a success, success standpoint. Yes. I agree because we've known him for a few years now. And I knew him when he moved to it. L.A. When he yeah. moved to L.A., he had just been on. Uh, he had a couple uh, Chappelle show sketches where he was like he was on the racial sketch, but it was like yeah, it was right. small stuff. And he had done a Comedy Central half hour, and like I was like you know he was like comedians kind of knew him. Not even every comic. And I met him at Melrose. Yeah. And I started talking. He was, you know, very approachable. And and then, he, you know, he had a special. And I was like, oh, that's great. Like, you got a special. At, and then he just started churning out mm-hmm. special after special. I don't know what we're up to now. It's like five it's or amazing. six. It's amazing. And basically, the, the point is for any business, and this is not just in comedy, it, it really does boil down to hard work. I read Mark Cuban's book. I've read Russell Simmons' book. Mm-hmm. Um, these guys all, I have all of these success books, if you pick them all up, basically resilience and hard work is number one and not being deterred by failure, not being deterred by your own mind, by your own uh, bullshit story that you're telling yourself. Of course. And the other thing that is important to point out, I think, if you look at the Bill thing that we're talking about, is that somebody can get complacent at a certain level of success. Yeah, sure. Which is also something you have to combat because three specials ago, he was su- success, probably making a million dollars a year as a comic and you go like, well, I made it. But he kept pushing like, no, I want to do more and yeah. achieve more and Bigger, keep doing better. it. And then it's been But it's not up. even about, um, I think, Burr's motivation, which is, which is actually in relation to this musician's question. Uh, it's not about getting attention for Burr. And I don't think it's about getting bigger. I think it's really about the work. And he loves being a comic. And he loves the joke. And he loves what he does. And he's really focused and passionate. And Louis C.K. too. Um, You know, these guys just want to make good shit. They do. And I I, I think, and then he hasn't told me this, but my my guess also is that as... You know, a, a sports guy like he is, there is a certain sense of competition in him. Not in that, like, I'm going to have a better joke than that guy, but I want to see how good I can be. Yeah. Because athlete, yeah, yeah. athletes Excellent. are like, yeah, yeah I want to see how much I can achieve. Don't you find, okay, and that kills me that there are people that don't challenge themselves like that. It's out of, it, I, it makes me lose my fucking <laughs> mind. Were we just talking about that? Yes. Because you and I, we both know people in our personal lives who you look at and you're like, bro, why are you, why are you complaining? Like, why are you, why do you think your life is okay at where it's at right now? Like, objectively, your life is way not okay. You can't sit around all day on a beanbag chair and, you know, play video games or whatever. Yeah. It's a waste of life. Kills me. It especially kills me 
in certain age groups because there's almost like an excusable time to be like 20s that. yeah your 20s you got a free pass I, I honestly think it should kind of fucking end at like mid-20s but like 26 yeah it's like 25. it's time to pull the fucking yeah, pull your shit together something. but it, it it kills me that you don't want like like i was talking about achievement and accomplishment in whatever i'm saying like if you're a fucking carpenter don't you want to see what you can do and accomplish yeah, things sure. and, you know, make things happen. Like the fact that we know people to have zero desire <laughs> to do absolutely anything. It's crazy to me. It is. And it's not, you know, on the one hand, I joke about wanting to go and live on an island in Tahiti and check out, yeah. but that's only after I've accomplished everything I want to accomplish. And also it doesn't feel good it, to not do stuff with your life. And I know that those people must have a crippling sense of inadequacy. You just, you have to, dude. Like if you're not doing, if you're not, if you don't have purpose in your life, mm -hmm. it's, it's very hard to wake up in the morning if you have a purposeless, meaningless life. So it's why the pen to paper is a great thing for anyone. And that is when, for some reason, when you write something down, when you can look at it, yeah. it really has a different effect. And this is like scientifically proven. Like they've researched the impact of, of writing out of writing things stuff, down. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like whatever your your industry is, whatever you dream of, write that shit down. Write yeah. down on a piece of paper like I want to whatever. Oh, yeah. I want to write a script. Oh yeah. I want to learn how to box. Uh, you know, write it down. Every year. Look at it. Yeah. You know what I used to do is I would write myself vision board, yo. <laughs> vision board. That's too public for me. I feel like I don't want people to be able to walk in. But and they, like, you can have your own. See my my dreams. Mm -hmm. But I do. I used to do this when I was when we first met. I would write myself a letter at the end of the year, and then I would seal it and then read it a year from then. Mm -hmm. So every you know New Year's, I would read the letter that I'd written, and to see if hopefully I had gotten where I'd wanted to go, mm -hmm. and that worked. It works because once you set your intention of like, hey, this is what I want to have happen, and it's going to happen, and eventually it does. Yeah. What are you smiling about? What do you mean? You got a little cute thought in your head you're not sharing with me. No. No? No. You're just thinking about how cute I was when we met? Yeah, you're so cute. <laughs> you know what's interesting? I was going to tell the story. So I, I was a loser up until I was about... I don't know, 28, I decided what? to... What? You weren't a loser? I wasn't a loser, but I, I wasn't thinking like this until... Is this recording? Let yeah. me make sure, okay. Hold on. Hold on, let's check. Yeah, it's just the thing. Oh, yeah. okay. okay. Um, I wasn't a loser, but I wasn't focused. I was in my 20s. I was kind of floating. I had started doing stand-up when I was 25 or 26. Mm -hmm. And I was just floating. And then I turned 28. I broke up with that guy I was living with. I lived in a house on top of a hill on a stair street like Henry David Thoreau. I had no television and I forced myself to kind of sit and think about my life. Like, how did I get here? What am I doing? What am I going to do? I just knew that something wasn't working. Anyways, I um, started getting obsessed with Phyllis Diller around this time. Do you remember? Of course. And I read her biography uh, like a lampshade in a whorehouse, which mm -hmm. I still don't understand the title of that. I don't know what I know. I never got the joke. Like a lampshade in a whorehouse. I don't understand. Lampshade. Yeah, I don't. I, I I don't know. Anyways, I read her book, and in it, you know, she was a mother of five. She got married. At, like That's at it. Nineteen or Just something. Five. Yeah, and they. She had a crumb bum 
bum of a husband. Um, you know, she says that Fang isn't based on him, but he was a loser. He didn't work. And she had to go to work. And she worked as a copy editor and she would write little advertisements in this newspaper in Northern California. And her husband goes, everybody thought it was really funny what she was writing. And her husband goes, you should be a performer. You're so funny. And back then there was like a handful of like female comedians. There's like Mums yeah. Mabley and shit. Anyway, she showed up four years later. This bitch is in Carnegie Hall. That's Phyllis Stiller. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so in her biography, she referenced a book called The Magic of Believing. And I highly recommend this to anybody who's on a path that wants to start being a focused, you know, uh, adult human being. If you want a career, if you want a life that makes sense, read The Magic of Believing. Um, long story short, I ended up writing Phyllis Diller a letter and I sent her my stand-up. Three days later, I get a phone call from fucking Phyllis Diller and she tells me, she, re- she watches my set and she gives me notes that to this day have changed how I do my act. She totally turned my shit around. It was amazing. And uh, she sent me a letter and it said, Dear Christina, keep plugging away. It'll happen. Love, Phyllis Diller. And it's framed and it's on our wall in the office. And it's a reminder of, she's right. You just keep plugging away and eventually your your ticket comes up. Eventually your number comes yeah. up. Yep. And there you go. It's it's persistence, man. Persistence, resilience. By the way, I remembered one of those other diminishing things when you when you <laughs> said that because you met, we talked about Carnegie Hall. Yes. And then Bert, I remember a couple of years ago he played Carnegie Hall, and I was talking to somebody else about it, another comic, and I was like, "Damn, he's playing Carnegie Hall. That's crazy." He goes, "Yeah, but it's part of the festival." Like in other words, right. it was a way to like knock him down to shit on yeah to, to shit on the accomplishment, <laughs> and that's why I knew that that guy was a turd that that said it. I was like, "You're a fucking yeah. turd," you know. That's horrible. Yeah, those, not cool. Those turds you got to get rid of. Yeah, you got to weed out the turd garden. Uh, uh, excuses. We discussed that. It's funny because I've found in my reading about successful people that the most successful ones often came from the worst backgrounds yeah seldom is the person who came from no hardship no battle uh i don't know how how many great comedians let's just say in the world of comedians do you know who grew up with fantastic lives everything was hunky-dory it happens it happens where they don't come from perfection you know where where they come from pretty like stable backgrounds those people aren't funny let's be honest no they're they're there (laughs) but i mean not many not many but majority the majority have some sort of fucked up, yeah. I mean, you look at like Oprah Winfrey, who I love, who was a huge success, who came from horrible. But don't you find though Tyson. that the older you get and the more stories you hear, that I, doesn't it kind of flip for you when you're like, well, who doesn't come from some form of form of fucked up, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's not like fucked. Up. Like it used to be like fucked up pasts are like this rare cool anomaly of like a, a being and then you dude everybody has something right but i mean but then there's you know levels of it there's levels like, of it dude yeah. oprah at 14 has a kid yeah no, that's She's horrific fucking orphan you know richard Pryor grows up in a brothel michael jackson look at his life yeah Nah, it's all bad. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that sometimes it can motivate you even more if you come from a shitty background to yeah. prove to prove people wrong. Yeah. Don't you find that revenge is the best too? Oh yeah, 
Yeah. Success is the best. But I, you know what? I, I almost feel like it's not even like, yeah, I mean, there, it, that part is true. But when you're really enjoying what you're doing, like when you're enjoying the work and you're doing the success part isn't even what feels the best. To me, it's like a new bit that I love doing and I'm working yeah, it out. Yeah, you will always love That's that. the greatest joy. Yeah. That's that's the really the most fun to go up on stage with my new toy. Yeah. That's the that's the fun. rush. That's what got you into it. So I have some su- success quotes from famous people. Lao Tzu. You know, I don't know how accurate this quote is, but I'll read it anyway. So I like it. it. Lao Tzu. He was an Asian philosopher. Okay. But I always thought that his stuff was written more like, you know, air and water is important to drinking. Cool yourself. accent. Yeah. This is this is his quote. Be careful what you water your dreams with. Water them with worry and fear and you'll produce weeds that choke the life from your dream. Water them with optimism and solutions and you will cultivate success. Always be on the lookout for ways to turn a problem into an opportunity for success. Always be on the lookout for ways to nurture your dream. Pretty good, right? Very good. I think he's right about that. Mm -hmm. A lot of times what you think is a failure uh, actually just redirects your energy into something that's more meaningful for you. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just that you're not meant to do one thing. You're meant to do something another way, I think. Winston Churchill, who I love. You know why I like Winston Churchill? Why? Because uh, he used to work out of bed. Like in the morning, he would lay in his bed and mm-hmm. have breakfast brought to him. And then he would like make all of his phone calls and stuff. I always liked that he was unapologetic. Like <laughs> everything I've read about him, he was very, he wasn't how you think of, you know, a higher ranking Brit. Yeah. in government who was like like he wasn't he he didn't necessarily wasn't necessarily known for being super polite with how he said something to somebody he, he kept it real he kept, he it, kept 100. it 100 yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah i know what you're saying i love it he writes success is not final failure is not fatal it is the courage to continue that counts right <laughs> there's a true. great book i mentioned earlier called failing forward i'm reading it now i highly recommend it because it's all about failure and, and how we're, we need to reframe how we see failure. It's not, he's right, failure isn't fatal. It's never final. And that's one of the, the points of this book. A lot of people think that failure is the end to something. And it's not necessarily, you just got to recalibrate and get back uh, in the game. I'll say this. Every bad set and bad show that I've had and have, ultimately, when, I, when it's over and I'm thinking about it and you get over the emotion of it, you always learn something from it. You still do. Right, because I think, I don't even like the word failure because yeah. it implies like a finality. I think what it is is just like a missed win or something. It yeah. should be called something else because failure is too harsh. You're just, you, you're making mistakes. And I got to say, and this book says it in Failing Forward, that failure is actually more common than your successes, which is why you should celebrate your success mm-hmm. uh, because it's, it's just less frequent. The frequency is failure, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. You, you swing and you strike out more all than you time. all the time. And even really successful people, they fail most the, a lot too. I was at a UFC fight a few weeks ago, uh, maybe like a month or so ago in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And front row at the fight was Larry Ellison, Who's who that? started he started Oracle the software company and he's on any given day usually like either the uh 
fifth to seventh richest guy in the world. Mm. His uh, net worth is, you know, currently like around fifty-four billion. Okay, so we're that's talking, a crazy man. I can't even yeah. fathom it. No, it's like what certain countries are worth. You know, he's retarded. So he's just one of these guys. And then you know, I'd I'd known about him for years, and I've read about his uh, temper and all the. You know, he was always on business magazines, which we had at my house growing up. So I always knew who Larry Ellison was. So I'm sitting there looking at him. And I was like, that is, you know, it's just crazy what that guy's achieved. And you actually, you know who he is. You read about him one time. Oh, was that in Hawaii? Uh, yes, because he, he owns Lanai. He owns yeah. 99% of Lanai. And you remember you were reading about his childhood and about yeah. how yeah. he was, well, I don't know, abandoned or didn't really know who his father was. But the whole point was that when I started reading some more about him, I was reading about him as a CEO. And this guy who worked with him, like one of the board members of Oracle said, everything that you ever read about, you know, leadership, all the leadership books and how to be a leader, they go, he was not. He was not any of those things. <laughs> really? The one thing that Larry was, was relentless. Mm. And they said he had like just a tenacity that he would just not stop. So every time... They were off course or derailed. He was just the guy. And you can apply that to anything. Oh, yeah. Especially like whatever you're going after career-wise. There's people we've talked about in stand-up who you go, you know what? He or she, they're just relentless. They're so focused and they're just not going to let And not even the funniest person in the room necessarily. You'll be like, that person's not even, it doesn't matter. Like the tenacity. They're going to go after it. Of some people, you're like, how how did they do that? That's crazy. They should teach a seminar on how the fuck. Yeah. Uh, Another hard worker, Vince Lombardi. Remember we watched a documentary about this guy. The price of success, he says, is hard work. Dedication to the job at hand and the determination that whether we win or lose, we have applied the best of ourselves to the task at hand. And that's interesting, too. Um, applying the best of yourselves to the task at hand. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, a huge part of it, too, is not phoning it in. I think the temptation when you're, you don't feel like you're really great at something is to kind of half-ass it. And that's that sucks because that's actually what's going to not open new doors for you. You know, like even if it's not your total lane, like yeah. try your, just do your fucking, it sounds so cliche. It does, but that's one of the four agreements. Ooh, I like you, that book. When you read the four agreements, um, all four of the four agreements are like cliches. Like yeah. if, if you just read the the chapter titles, you would say like, why would I fucking read this? That book is amazing because of how it explains what doing your best is. Right. And when you read it, in that book, you go, it takes on a whole new meaning. It really is one of those things that it gives you like calm. Yeah. And, and it gives you inspiration to read that book. Right. Cause you can also sleep at night knowing that, like, dude, I, if you I did, did your what best I could. And you really think about it, not in terms of like that cliche expression, but to, to really do what your best is, you'll never be disappointed. If you're like, I put my all into this and it just, this is where it ended up. You'll have you'll have satisfaction in what you did. Yeah, you can't blame yourself in a weird way. Yeah. Ooh, what's really neat? Sorry, and I forgot to say this earlier in the Failing Forward book, which is really, really something that resonated with me. Is he said that um, you had to you have to stop personalizing your failure. 
you know, a lot of times if you fail, you go, oh, I'm such a shitty person. I fucked up. Mm-hmm. Instead of just going, no, the work was bad here. And you kind of move on from it. I think that's a really, really sticky trap to get into is um, is is taking the failure personally. Because a lot of failure can be very public. Like he brings up uh, the Wright brothers and um, the guy before. Actually, there was a man before the Wright brothers who was trying to get aviation, like commercial aviation going. Langley, yeah. Langley. And he had a really public humiliation, this Langley guy, with one of the um, aircraft he was trying to develop. And the public just shit on him. And he shriveled up and he went away. And then in stepped the Wright brothers. And they had like, hey, we've been working on this thing. Who wants to see it? And they were poor. They were uneducated, the Wright brothers. They weren't. They were just a couple of guys who were like, let's fucking do this, man. And they're the ones that went down in history just because of the other guy who did have the money and the education just got shamed publicly and gave up. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, I mean, you uh, wasn't it the um, the Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling that was like uh, sent like a hundred drafts, yeah, to different to different publishing companies. Sure, and they were all like, "Get the fuck out Stupid. of here! Stupid, get out of here with this bullshit, man!" <laughs> I would say almost every book that you love, every major author, every great work, they've been told that they're dog shit. Most of the books that you love, yeah. They were told that they were dogs. They're like mocked. Like they're like this is. Sti-. You see, like the some of these great lit pieces of work are, um, like the letters are like no. There's no no one wants to read this. You know, yeah. this is like this is nonsense. Well, in that failing forward book, there's a few that are published. What about the guy? About the that. guy that wrote Con- Confederacy of Dunces. Right. He committed suicide. Are you serious? Yeah, he committed I suicide. I think maybe even before it was published. I think oh, so. No. And. Uh, you should have hung in there, man. Yeah, and that one, you know, like Pulitzers, they won everything, and and yeah. Um, by the way, the four agreements separately are: be impeccable with your word, don't take anything personally, don't make assumptions, always do your best. Mm. And the, like I said, those you're, you're like, yeah, okay, heard, I've heard those a million times. <laughs> yeah, but, they sell like fortune cookies, but they're but they're right on. But he also elaborates on them. I mean, there's a whole philosophy behind it. Don Miguel Ruiz is the name of the guy who wrote yeah. the Four Agreements, right? Don Miguel. He goes. He's a Don. Yeah. What makes somebody a Don? I um I have no idea what it makes somebody a Don. Don. Let's see. It's Miguel Angel. Pen name Don Miguel Ruiz. Oh, I know why. Hmm. I saw him on Oprah once. Yeah. He's ridiculous. This guy, the way he looks and he acts, he's got like a ponytail mm-hmm. and uh, he's his fashion's ridiculous. Like he's just a very flamboyant gentleman. Oh, really? Yeah, that would explain the... He's the youngest of 13. Get your life. Yeah. Poor guy. No wonder he wanted the Fuck. attention. <laughs> he learned those life lessons pretty fucking quick, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, please, somebody, give me some attention. That's how he talked, too, because he's Mexican. Oh, please. He's from Mexico, right? Damn, me some attention. Hey, but give me some attention. You want to know? So we were. And you told me we were going to discuss sauce. this. Yeah. And I was getting a car wash oh. um, a couple days ago. And then I picked up a magazine sitting there, and it was 10 Habits mm. of Successful Entrepreneurs. Let's hear it. I think by this guy, Jeff Olson. Who the fuck are you, Jeff? You want to hear what his are? Yeah. Number one, show up. 
if you just commit to showing up, that's half the battle. That's huge. Which in stand-up, I can't tell you. When we look back on starting out, for me, it's now 13 and a half years ago. Um, it was funny that that dropout rate. It oh, the like, attrition rate, it's worse than like Harvard Law. You know, it would be like, at first at like five years, you're like, where's so-and-so? They're like, Gone. I don't know, man. You just haven't seen them. It's Gone. just like they stopped doing it and you Gone. you keep moving. And this is like, I'm not saying like, you're becoming successful and then someone, it's just that you're still grinding and other people are just not. Oh yeah. I mean, people you go, gotta, yeah. people go, why don't you have more women on this show? I go, because every female comic I started with has stopped. They stopped doing it. Yeah. The ones that haven't have been on the show. <laughs> Be consistent, show up consistently and take actions yes. when others fade out. So it's not just showing up. It's like using showing up for something. It's like practical practice mm-hmm. you know practice yeah have a positive outlook which i can't that's hard to do yeah it's me. so hard but it's it's yeah. so it's so true i'm the worst yeah practice seeing opportunities instead of problems you know and so many negative people around you got to get rid of them that's but that's the biggest problem you know i try to stay positive but then some days you're just like of course yeah, so you can't be perfect at this yeah. but Committed for the long haul, which is the 10,000 hour rule, basically. That's huge. And by the way, like I was saying, when I turned 28, I committed to being a comedian. That's the really the year I thought I'm going to do you're this. You're going to do this. But before that, you're half-assing anything. It's Any true. decision, you need to be balls deep in. No exit. You got to block off for the exit. For me, I can remember it's when I quit my day job. I remember that. Yeah. I was like, I'm doing this all the fucking Scary. time. Scary. It's terrifying. Yeah cultivate a burning desire backed by faith uh, a burning desire backed by faith simply means passionately wanting to get somewhere and knowing not hoping or not wishing but knowing you're going to get there mm. in other words your faith is that you're, you have faith in yourself for sure uh, be willing to pay the price god that's the hardest that's that's what we're talking about like friends of ours that like want to do this or that but they don't want to do the work to get there. Yeah, they want to be the CEO without doing. You gotta. What is that song? You gotta pay the cost to be the boss. Is sure, Jay Z. I don't think so, but yeah. Yeah, you gotta pay. You gotta pay the price, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You can't just wake up, be no CEO. Yeah. You no. work in the mail room. You gotta. It's funny though. People think they're too good to work in the mail room. Yeah. I mean, that's who we're talking. I know, about. and I know. And here's the thing: even the higher up you go, the more successful you become. That mentality of the mailroom, it has to kind of stay with you a yeah. little. The humbleness of, <laughs> Grind. of, oh, I got to get up and do this now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Willing to pay the price. Um, it's basically, you have to make painful sacrifices. Yeah. Like when we lived in really shitty neighborhoods and <laughs> shitty apartments. I mean, really. And we, we stayed living there for a couple of years because we had a goal in yes. mind. Oh, yeah. Oh, and by the way, if you do want to be successful, I think at anything, be prepared to give up a lot of shit, okay? When your friends are out partying, you're going to be working. When, um, you know, you're... When your friends buy their first home. You're not going to have, yeah. maybe. True. Yeah. I mean, maybe. look, we delayed having a child. We delayed buying a home. We've delayed almost everything uh, in pursuit of what we do for a living. So, but it's it's been good. It's been paid off. Thank God. Invest in oh. yourself. Yeah. Investing in yourself is one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself. It's also the wisest business investment you can make. 
the most critical critical step in accomplishing success is you investing in your own improvement and your personal growth daily. It's like mm-hmm. read 10 pages of a life transferring, transforming book, listen to 15 minutes of educational, inspirational audio, and find ways to spend quality time with people who have achieved goals and dreams similar to yours. That's one where we're so lucky that we, I realize that you can't the, the, I, my show like the that. idea of success is something that I've always been surrounded with. That's not to my credit. It's like being around successful people. And then now here and where we live, we have access to like people who are where we want to be. And being around that is always good for you. It's so, because yeah, because when we lived in in the bad neighborhood, Mm -hmm. didn't you, like I remember feeling the oppression of the bad neighborhood. Like you felt like you couldn't get out just by virtue of being around poverty and shittiness like it it can really it can take you down if you let it who you surround yourself with for sure oh yeah and the opposite is the truth of that as well you can be lifted this guy continues to he says use slight edge allies successful people know how to identify habits that don't serve them and replace them with habits that do have four you have four powerful allies they are the power of momentum which is steady advancement wins the race the power of completion, clear out your undones and incompletes, the power of reflection, Mm. face the man or woman in the mirror, and the power of celebration. Catch yourself doing something right and Mm. celebrate that. Completion is huge. Huge. Now, I had to learn that lesson. I was never uh, a completer in childhood or in adolescence, and not until I went to college. Uh, I had to learn that one a hard way. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get to finish what you start. It's Put the, the slight way. edge to work. Keep paddling when others give up and sink. Know when you are being offered the choice of wisdom. I don't know what that means. Say it says, again. It uh, says, keep paddling when others give up and sink and know yeah. when you are being offered the choice of wisdom. Hmm. So he expands, make a habit of doing some sort of daily review of these slight edge activities, either through keeping a journal or list or working with a buddy or a coach by keeping track of the little things you do on a daily basis, you hold yourself accountable and gradually see your progress. Now, don't you think uh, the ability to be introspective plays a huge role in success as well? Because if you're not able to reflect on your life and the mistakes you're making, because we all make them, you're going to make them. It's it's not like you're you're some one day you're never going to make mistakes, but the ability to go, oh, I'm never going to do that again. Oh, I fucked up here. I shouldn't have signed that contract without yep. this person looking at it. Yep. Or I should. Oh, fuck. I'll, and I'll. And you know what? Though I'll never do that again. Yeah. Once you make the, you got. But you have to be able to go. I'll never do that again. Oh, every year. This year, ten times, I figured out things that I'd never figured out before, and I've told you a bunch of them. Like, you know what? I fucked up with this deal that I signed. I'm going to go do these shows. Right, right, right. And I'm never doing anything like this again. Never again. But I, I actually am glad that I fucked up because it's what taught me the thing. Right, you have to. And yeah. the, but it's not really a, a fuck up. It, yeah. it was like, like lesson, I said, yeah. it's not a failure. It's an adjustment. It's like, oh. The last one says, practice the slight edge integrity. Having integrity is one of the great secrets of entrepreneurial success. It's basically, what do you do when no one is watching? Yeah. I believe that. Are you always going to... Yeah. You know, I for the life of me, I never understood why comedians show up at a club and they're yeah. shitty to the staff and they're mean to people and they do a bad job 
and they're um, they're jerks, and no one wants to work with them. And that's Jeff Olson, by by the way, that said those things. Jeff you Olson. know what else I was thinking about this whole success thing is that success comes in different form, like doesn't look the same across the yeah. board. Success yeah, isn't course. just a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, and somebody successful can have a, like a real. They all have kind of the same base philosophy, different ways of delivering it. And the person I keep thinking of is Joey Diaz <laughs> because he's really big on get up off your ass and get out there and do something. Do something. I mean, he gets into it almost every podcast. He does. At some point in his rants, he'll just talk about like go achieve. And he's he's a super, you know, he has an uh, interesting way of delivering the message. <laughs> right. But it, it all comes, it's the same root, you know, it's the same issue at at heart is that he's basically like stop making excuses stop fucking around put a pen to paper Mm -hmm. say what you want to do go after your shit and just stop fucking around get your life live a meaningful life live a purpose-driven life Mm -hmm. i agree otherwise you're going to be miserable there's no shortcuts there's no easy way there's no perfect way but do your best do your best, Gene. And you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. Damn, we did it. We did it, bro. Thank you so much uh, for joining me, husband. I hope this was a good co- talk for you. I mean, all right. I don't know. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> You're fantastic. You're the best. Come on. You think I'd have you back twice if you sucked at this? Hello? Yeah. All right. Okay. I love you. Thanks, guys, for listening. And uh, all right, we'll see you next time. That's been deep. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with. Philosophize with. Christina P, a.k.a. Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party. Our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke, or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates. Got us talking all properly, topically. Just a comedian discussing these philosophies. Serious questions, silly people. What's that? That's deep, bro. It is the ultimate metaphor for life, and you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro.